mood after that song, but I'm hoping that it's a little harder to be. It sounded uh, beautiful. Um, if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 15, and then uh, we're also going to read verse 16. Ephesians 5, verse 15 and 16. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. A few weeks ago, months ago, I don't know, uh, I was at home and my, uh, one of my kids, I'll, I'll, I'm trying to keep them all nameless because they all are in the room now and I can't tell stories about them, um, but one of my children uh, was having one of those mornings where things weren't going well, you know, it's just, you just, just not stubbing toes, um, pour yourself some cereal and then you go to get the milk and there's no milk, you know how disappointing that is? Little things like that. So there were just all these little things that weren't going very well. And they sat down on the stairs, kind of the, like just, you know, just sat there, kind of put their face in their hands. And they said, I'm not having a good day. And I thought, oh, you know, here's a moment where, you know, dad can spring into action and I can have that little dad talk and I can, I can explain the world. You know, here's this little heart that's open and, and ready for a little instruction. And so I sat down next to them and I put my arm around them and I said, don't say that. It's only like nine o'clock. It could get much, much worse. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. I said, hey, you know, don't let a few events ruin your whole day. There's, there's, a, there's a lot more day to be lived. There's, there's more, and, and these things, they may seem bad, but there's a, there's a bigger picture, right? I'm not trying to deny that certain bad things happen, bad circumstances happen, but there's a bigger picture. And, and what happens is that this, my child, I think does what a lot of us do, is we have maybe a few negative events in a certain time span, whether it's a day or a week or a month, or even a year, and we sit there and we think like, oh man, my year is bad because these three or four or five things were bad. And, and you probably have seen this, I think we've all kind of witnessed this on Facebook or any sort of social media where people at the end of the year are posting about how they're ready to turn the page on this year. They're ready to be done with this year. And you can go back two or three years if you want to on Facebook, and you can see people that said, oh man, 2016 was horrible. Can't wait for 2017. And then 2017 kind of rolls through, and the same people. Oh, 2017 was not my year. I keep, 2018 could not get here soon enough. And then the same people. 2018 has been a bust. I can't wait. 2019 is going to be the year it all happens for me. And every year, and you know what's going to happen? You don't want to comment on these things. You know how often it would be fun just to comment on people's uh, 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 statuses and you know you just shouldn't do some of the things that you're thinking. But you want to say, hey, listen, so far none of these have been your year. I'm not sure 2019 is in the cards for you either. I mean, I think, I don't know that it's going to be great. Judging by the last three or four years, but I think what we do is we have these the, a number of events and we kind of like, we, we just throw the totality of our year or day or week or whatever it is into like, it's not been a good year. It's not been a good day. It's not been a good week. And there are things that happen, but we let some events affect the entirety of what's been going on. And here is a bold prediction, and you can take this to the bank. This is a prophecy for your 2019. Your 2019 is going to be filled with ups and downs. You are going to have highs and you are going to have lows. You are going to have things to celebrate and you are going to have things to mourn. 
You are going to have successes and you are going to have tragedies in 2019. And you know, some of you are going to go to the end of 2019 and you're going to be like, 2019 wasn't it for me because of some of those tragedies. And you're going to be like, waiting for 2020. I mean, that's a good round number. 2020, that's going to be my thing. 2020 is it for me. And it's just going to be wash, rinse, repeat again and again and again. Next year sometime, you're going to pour yourself a bowl of cereal and there's not going to be any milk in the fridge. And you're going to sit down on the stairs and you're going to say, I'm having a bad day. I'm having a bad day. Here's the point I want to make. A better year, a better day, better week doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen. And when we say it's been a bad year, can't wait for the next year, what we're saying is if I turn the corner here, if I have have a fresh start or a new year, somehow it's going to be better. But it's not. You're going to bring all the stuff that you had last year into the next year with you. You're going to bring your personality. You're going to bring your highs and your lows into the next year with you. A better year doesn't just happen because the earth rotated around the sun once. That's not how this works. A better day doesn't just happen. A better week doesn't just happen. Better doesn't just happen. And if there's one phrase that I want you to get into your heads at the end of the day is this, better doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen. You may be looking forward to uh, Monday and, you know, the clock striking midnight and then waking up on the first, maybe watching a few football games and feeling like, okay, this is my year. But you know what? God is the God of 2018. God's the God of 2019. I mean, God's the God of today. God's the God of tomorrow. Lamentations talks about his mercies are new every morning. I was reading through Lamentations this morning. Great way to start your Sunday, right? You know what? Lamentations is, is uh, five chapters, right? One, two, five chapters of like complaint, 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 complaint. And there's this one verse in there that says his mercies are new every morning and what's the only one we know out of lamentations there's a lot of things people were complaining to god about but god is the god of this year god's the god of next year better doesn't just happen better happens when we follow after god and by the end of today if we haven't gotten that into your heads then i have completely failed better doesn't just happen I want you to put that thought on the shelf, and we're going to come back to it kind of in a different way. Um, In the book of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians is awesome. If you have, like, seriously, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, you can read through the entire thing. And it's an incredible book because Ephesians is one uh, one of those rare books in the Bible where Paul wasn't writing to a specific church saying, you've got this huge problem. He was just kind of encouraging people in Ephesus, but he was just telling them, this is kind of my view of the world. This is kind of my theology. And it's just this really great book. And so for the first three chapters, Ephesians has all this wonderful, like, poetic theology. Some of your favorite verses are in the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians. Like, if you've been going to church for a while, you know, I mean, everybody knows John 3.16, but you can kind of tell if someone's a churchgoer, like, if their favorite verse is John 3.16, that's great, that's wonderful and everything, but if their favorite verse is, like, one of the lesser-known verses, you're like, oh, okay, churchgoer, every Sunday-goer, right? You know, you know what I'm talking about? So, Ephesians has some great verses, um, and, and they're kind of, like, pump you up verses where if you're listening to this stuff, if we could hear Paul like dictating this or writing this out, we would get excited. It would be like watching, I don't know, Braveheart where, where William Wallace, she's like getting the army pumped up or maybe even better if you've watched, uh, if you've ever seen the movie Miracle where the, uh, the, the hockey players, right, some hockey players in the room, yeah, yeah, where at, uh, is it, I think it's even before the game, they're taking on Russia and Herb Brooks, the coach of these, just this ragtag group of guys, he's giving them this speech and he's saying, hey, hey, if we played these guys 10 times, nine times we would lose, but not today, not today. Today is our day. 
And if you read the book of Ephesians, you see that tone in it. Paul's writing that way. He is wound up. So some of your favorite passages are in the book of Ephesians. For example, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 is one that many of you are familiar with, where he says, this is Paul, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen. And Paul, like if he's writing that or if he's dictating, I guarantee you he's like shouting at this point. Most of your translations, if you have your Bibles open, you'll notice that the, uh, the, the second ever, forever and ever, the second one there is, uh, there's an exclamation point, right? You see that? Did you know Greek, uh, biblical Greek doesn't have any punctuation at all? So this translator's translating this, and he's getting excited, and he's like, ah, we got to throw an exclamation point in there, because this is good stuff. He's getting excited, and he's showing you how exciting what Paul is saying there. So there's this wonderful, poetic, inspiring language that we're reading in the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians. It's awesome. You read that, and you're like, oh, let's go live Christianity. And then Ephesians is sixth chapter, so the second half of the book of Ephesians is pretty, pretty interesting too, but he changes tone. So the first three chapters are all about who you are in Christ, and he loves you, and all this stuff. And then the second three chapters is this giant list of things you should and should not do because of your relationship to God. I mean, it's verbs right and left. Be this, do this, act this way, think this way. Like the, some of the famous passages that we know, like be angry but do not sin, do not let the sun go down on your wrath, passages like that. That's in this second. He's telling you, here's what it looks like to live out this beautiful, poetic, inspiring language. This is what it looks like. And it, it cracks me up, and I, I've thought this, I believe this, but often you hear people talk about Christianity and they say Christianity isn't a big list of do's and don'ts. Actually, there are a lot of do's and don'ts in Christianity, and Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4 through chapter 6 are a great illustration of that. There's a ton of things we should do and a ton of things we should not do, and Ephesians chapter 4 is like, hey, if you want to live this new humanity, if you want to be immeasurably more, if you want God to work in you in this way, here are some of the things that you've got to do. And what Paul is saying in this passage, he's saying, better doesn't just happen, here are things that you, as a follower of Jesus Christ, need to hold yourself to. Here are some relational and moral commitments that you need to hold yourself to as a believer in Christ. Here's some things that you need to do. Better doesn't just happen. And he really leaves no stone unturned in this passage. If you read through it, he talks about money and sex and parenting. I mean, and it's a short little book. It's like totally inspiring, totally challenging, and you're done with it in like 25 minutes of reading. It's an amazing little book. But what he's saying is better doesn't just happen. Here's this list of all these things that you need to be as a, as a follower of Jesus Christ. Here's what you need to do. You need to challenge yourself to live in these new ways because better doesn't just happen. Now, here's the, the cool thing I think about Ephesians is Paul gives all this wonderful theology and he gives all these do's and don'ts, these expectations for Christians, and then he knows, he knows how we think. He knows the way our minds work, so he knows that we're hoping we just naturally improve, right? I mean, we're hoping that, wouldn't it be great to wake up one morning and you look down and you're like, oh, I've got abs. That's wonderful. How did that happen? I've been eating cheese and queso for months and I've got abs. This is amazing. That's how we, uh, cheese and queso, right? Chips and queso. Maybe if you're eating cheese and queso, that's the reason, you know. 
Wouldn't it be wonderful, right? It'd be wonderful if you just, na- if things just naturally got better, if you didn't really have to challenge yourself. Like you woke up one morning, you're like, I'm going to pray for three hours. It's not the way it works. I woke up one morning and all of a sudden I'm so generous and patient with my children and it's wonderful and everything's amazing. No, it's not the way it works. I woke up one morning and the Spirit was just working through me. No, that's not the way it works. Better doesn't just happen. We, and this is important, we partner with the Spirit for improvement in our lives. We partner with the Spirit. We're not doing it on our own. Don't think that. We're not doing it on our own. We're partnering with the Spirit, but better doesn't just happen. But Paul knows that's what we're thinking. He knows we're just hoping, you know, maybe if I go to church every Sunday, I'll just wake up and I'll be more kind and I'll be more generous and I'll be, more, I'll be less angry. And he's saying that's not the way it works. So what Paul does in chapter 5, and I think this is so awesome, Paul gives us advice for how to take his advice. He gives us advice for how to take his advice. You know how that works sometimes in life where you hear good advice, but you need advice for how to take that advice? Like Paul gives us advice. He gives us parameters. He gives us guidance for how to take his good advice. I think that's so cool. And so what he does is in Ephesians Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, this is what he does. And we want to walk through this verse as we think about this idea of what a better, not just happening to us, but us working in partnership with the Spirit of God for a better tomorrow. So Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, we're going to start in that first line. He says, be very careful then how you live. Be very careful then how you live. If you're old school and you like the King James Version, it's got a wonderful sort of like uh, um, poetic sound to it where he says, walk then circumspectly. It's just words we don't use, so we've updated it. But be very careful. What he's saying is be very careful how you live. I, I don't know why, I've just, last couple years, I've really taken to hiking outside in the winter. And I thought, you know, I need something to do when it's cold outside. I'm going to go outside in the winter. I'm looking at some of your faces and you're like, that is not, God did not build me to hike in the winter. God built me to Netflix on the couch in the winter. That's not how I, but I love it. There's something about being outside, especially after a snowfall or during a snowfall. It's just like, it's awesome. You're by yourself out there. Every once in a while, you'll meet another stranger. And you're like, that guy's crazy. And then they're looking at you saying, that guy's crazy. But you're just out there. I've tried to get my kids to go with me. And they're like, no, are you kidding? It's cold outside. Tried to get my wife to go with me. And she's like, nah, not going to happen. So every once in a while, I'll just go out. Like, I'll be hiking by myself. And you're just exploring the woods. It's just beautiful. The other day, this has been a couple weeks ago, I was walking by this stream. And there was this little tiny waterfall. And I was like, oh, it's so pretty. I'm going to get up and I'm going to take a little close picture of the waterfall. And, and the, the, the stream wasn't quite frozen over, but it was mostly frozen over. And, and I'm like, I'm going to step out, you know, onto that frozen part of the waterfall. I'm going to get a little picture there, a little picture of the stream. It's going to be so nice. It's so nice out here. And then I can post it and everybody will be like, oh, there's Patrick out hiking in the woods again. It'll all be great. So I'm out there on the ice. And every step I'm taking on the ice is a very deliberate step. I'm like testing it a little bit. You know, nobody's around, so you can be a little goofy when nobody's paying attention, but I'm testing it a little bit. It feels okay, you know, how, if I have my footing. Get a little further, get a little further, get a little further. And I'm right out there on the edge, and I'm like, oh, this will be the perfect angle for this like cute little picture of this beautiful stream out in the middle of the woods of this little waterfall. And I'm sitting there, and I got my picture ready to go, and I hear this big crack. And I'm like, oh, every movie where the kid falls through the ice, I mean, the water's about this deep, but every movie where the kid falls through the ice, and I'm like, Fred Flintstoning it off that ice, you know, I'm sure it would have been very fun to watch had you been observing this behavior. 
But every, every step I took on the ice, and if you've ever, if you're not familiar with like ice fishing, things like that, you're like this. Every step you take on the ice, I mean, there's people driving on it, but you're still like, man, is this going to hold my weight? It's, it's very careful. It's very deliberate. That's the mental picture Paul has for you here. He says, your life, the steps you take in your life need to be like that, very cautious and deliberate and careful. He's not saying don't take risks. He's saying make sure your footing is firm. Make sure, listen, this is important, make sure you're heading in the direction you intend to go. This is how you live out this advice in Ephesians chapter 4 through 6. Make sure you're heading in the direction you intend to go. Walk very carefully. Walk very deliberately. Walk very thoughtfully because better doesn't just happen. We take careful steps in the right direction. He goes on to say in this, in this second line, not as unwise, but as wise. And I read that and I'm like, does that really need to be said? Does it really need to be said, don't be unwise? And he's essentially saying this here, and forgive me parents, but he's essentially saying, don't be dumb, be smart. That's what he's saying. And like, have you, your parents ever said that to your kids? I'm sure you haven't, right? Or at least that you admit in a room full of people who might be judgmental. But don't be dumb, be smart. That's essentially what he's saying here. Why would you need to say that? Are people going to make dumb choices on purpose? Yes! All the time. All the time. Every day. People are constantly making dumb choices on purpose. I thought about this, and I was thinking, like, wouldn't it be handy if in life there was some way where every, like, choice is laid out before us, and it was clearly labeled wise or unwise? Wouldn't that be handy? So every time you were talking about making a purchase or taking a job or a promotion or who you should marry or what you should do with your life, every little uh, interaction, every little choice was labeled wise, unwise, right? If that were true, if our lives were laid out like that and every choice were labeled wise and unwise, we would make good decisions, right? We wouldn't. And here's how I know. Food nutrition labels on your products that you buy. Right? Because they have labeled everything on the products you buy. You just turn around, you look at the back, and you're like, oh, wow, this is like three ounces, and it's got 8,000 calories. Ah, oh, well, it's Christmas, you know. Your food nutrition labels are saying that is an unwise decision. Hmm, here's a bunch of chemicals. I have no idea what they are. Uh, it says that they cause diabetes in lab rats, but oh well, I'm a human. I'm not a rat. It should be fine, right? We read those labels and we make unwise decisions despite the fact that it is labeled for us clearly this is a bad decision. So if life were laid out like that, would we make unwise decisions? We would. And we have, and we do. In fact, you don't even take your own good advice. Because before decisions you have made that were not good decisions, you have said things like, I know I shouldn't do this, but. And even something in your own mind was saying, that's an unwise decision, and you're like, ah, what does that voice in my head know? It doesn't know anything, I'm going to do this anyway. And so when Paul writes, listen, you've got to take careful, thoughtful, deliberate steps in the right direction. Don't be dumb. Don't be dumb. Why? Because we are dumb. We're often dumb. We look at a bag of Doritos or Twinkies and we think, YOLO, right? It's going to be fine. I think maybe what would help us with this is thinking about it, because you can look at someone else's life. Have you ever noticed this? You can look at someone else's life and you can clearly see whether a decision is good or bad in their life. They're like at a car dealership and they're buying, the, you know, they're like looking at whatever, I don't know what the vehicle is, whatever the, the terrible vehicle is, gets terrible mileage, it's no resale value. And you can see that's a bad purchase, that's a bad decision, that's a bad financial decision that they're making. But you can see that, but they can't see it. All they can see is like, ooh, the car's red. This 
is what I, that's what I need, right? You can see it in other people's lives. So maybe a question you can ask yourself to make sure you're taking careful, thoughtful decisions in the right direction is to say, would a wise person do this? And maybe even have someone in mind that you know that you think has made good decisions with their life. Would a wise person do this? Would a wise person say this? Would a wise person think this? Would a wise person go there? And if the answer is no, don't be dumb. Don't be dumb. That's what Paul's saying. Make sure what you're doing is wise, not unwise. Next, next line he says, he goes, <clears throat> making the most of every opportunity. I've noticed for me, when it comes to being better, personally, self-improvement, I tend to think of someday I'll do better. Someday I'll be better. Someday I'll get my act together. I remember thinking that as a kid and looking at adults and thinking like, oh, just they naturally get better. You actually, you naturally become more like Jesus as you get older, right? And everybody that's older is like, no, actually I'm looking at some of the retirees and thinking, oh, they just naturally become more like Jesus. And the retirees are like, no, I'm looking at some people's funerals and I'm thinking, well, that's (laughs) that's the closest they're going to get to Jesus right there in the coffin. We don't naturally improve as we get better. We maybe have less energy to do bad things, but we don't naturally improve as we get better. It's just not the way it works. I'll get around to it one day, but just not today, right? And that's just not the way it works. Every time we say that, we're taking a step in the wrong direction. I'll get around to it one day. You're not taking your own good advice. Lots of um, stores, and maybe you're utilizing these around the holidays, but lots of stores have really generous return policies. I had a friend that used to work in the returns department at Walmart, and there was stuff he said, I know they didn't buy it here at Walmart, but we returned it anyway for store credit. Like, lots of stores will do that kind of thing. And so around, well, anytime really, have you ever talked yourself into a bad purchase because you're thinking, oh, I'll just return it later, right? If it doesn't work out, if it doesn't fit, if I don't lose the weight, I'll just return it later. It's no big deal. I'll just return it, right? You know, (laughs) 10 years later, it's still in your closet or whatever it is because you just never got around to it, and that's, of course, what stores are counting on. So lots of these places have, like, really, really good return policies, and so, like, in the moment you're like man you know what I really need an umbrella jacket right here I got a picture for you right here if you want to see it I really need this this is going to be really valuable this is going to make my life better you know and then you and then you like you know put it on and your wife is like I will not be seen anywhere near you if you wear that right or maybe you saw something like this and, and we make terrible purchases when it comes to gifts and stuff like that here's a uh, here's a a, a phone holder brush, right? You know, so practical. I can do two things at once, check, you know, read Twitter and, you know, comb my hair, whatever. But return it. We don't need it. It's dumb, right? Dumb products. Return it. And, it, and, and, and the truth is, if we waste our money on something, it's, it's not the end of the world, right? It's not the end of the world. If we, if we lose a little bit of money here and there, if, it's not the end of the world. It's not great, but it's not the end of the world. But if we waste our time, we can never get it back. There's no return policy. If we waste a day, that day is gone. It is gone. There's just no getting that back. And so every time we think, well, someday I'll do better, what we're doing is we're wasting days walking in the wrong direction. And that's why Paul says, listen, if you want better, better doesn't just happen. If you want better, you have to make the most of every opportunity. You have to make the most of every opportunity because when our time is gone, it's gone. But we tend to think like, oh, you know, this day wasn't good, but there's another one right around the corner and it'll be okay. No, days are not disposable. Months are not disposable. Years are not disposable. This is all we have. 
Better doesn't just happen. That's why Moses wrote in the Psalm, Psalm 90, teach us to number our days so what? We may gain a heart of wisdom. So we make better decisions, right? So we walk in the right direction. Teach us to number our days. Teach us not to feel like our time is disposable so that we gain a heart of wisdom. And I, wanted, I just want to make this point. Making the most of our days, making the most of our time is not about quantity, um, I think this is important to point out. I read this study and I thought it was fascinating where they took you know, thousands of kids between third grade and twelfth grade and they said, hey, if, if, um, if your parents could, could do one thing to, to kind of, uh, if, you were, if you had one wish or they could change one thing about your, your mother or your father's work to kind of improve their lives, what, what would you wish for? And they asked kids this and they asked parents what did they think their kids' answers would be. Well, parents thought, well, I think my kid's going to say, I wish my mom or dad had more time to spend with me. I wish they had more time. And that isn't what kids said at all. Kids didn't want more time from their parents. You know what kids wished for? They wished that their parents were less stressed and tired. Because kids didn't want quantity. They wanted quality. And just because you freed up a block of time to spend with your kids doesn't mean you're in a frame of mind to spend time with them. Kids didn't want quantity. They wanted quality, making the most of every opportunity. Better doesn't just happen. It's about redeeming the days. And then finally, this last phrase in here, he goes, because the days are evil. The days are evil. I, I think this is an important warning that, you know, you read through this passage and you just kind of cruise through it. But he's giving us advice for how to take good advice. And he says the days are evil. And I think this is really valuable because for us, for us, there is a cost to inaction. There is a cost to inaction. Every time you think, well, tomorrow, next day, next week, next month, whatever, what we're doing is, and the way Christianity works, and whether or not we want this to be true or not, but remember, better doesn't just happen. So trying to follow after Christ is literally like going up the down escalator. And if you stop, you're sliding backwards. And what he's saying, the days are evil, he's talking about the times we live in, the culture that we live in is evil. Listen, the stuff we watch on TV, the stuff we read in books, those are not promoting a Christ-like way of living or thinking or believing. And I'm not telling you to not read those things or not watch those things. What I'm telling you is, is understand that they're pushing you down the escalator and following Christ is like going up. And it's hard. It is work. It is work. The author of Hebrews talks about like resisting sin and resisting to the point of shedding blood. It is work to follow after Jesus Christ. And when we try to tell people it's not, when we try to tell people it's an easy life, we're just misleading them. It is work to follow after Christ. But he's saying the days are evil. They're pushing you in the wrong direction. You're in a stream and you're, you're swimming upstream and that's hard. It's hard. It's hard to swim upstream against everything else. The days are evil. And if we are not giving our time and attention and energy and focus to following after Christ, something else is going to consume it. Something else is going to take it. Now, there's so much more we could talk about this. The next few verses, I mean, there's so many verses before and after that would be, you know, we could spend hours talking about this. The next verse he talks about, hey, you know, you need to be filled with the Spirit in order to live this kind of life. And I, I mean, that's a whole series in itself, not just part of a sermon. But he talks about how the Spirit empowers us to swim upstream. But better doesn't just happen. And I want you to know, and this is, this is the point, is that 
July or, or excuse me, January 1st isn't just going to be better just because it's a new date on your calendar and you can, it's not going to be better. Better doesn't just happen. Better happens when we, filled with the power of the Spirit, pursue a relationship with Christ. That's when better happens. And that's what we're searching for. That's what we're looking for. That's what we're striving for. And so my prayer for us, for our church, is that this year may we be better. Not just because we not just because the earth rotated around the sun, but because we actually decided to commit ourselves to being filled with the Spirit and pursuing a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I, I, I get that we're all over the place, God. We've got so much going on in our lives. Sometimes it's hard to even just think about the next day, much less uh, just what's right in front of us. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would help us uh, through your spirit to see the, the ways that you're leading and guiding and changing and shaping and forming us. Lord, I pray that we would read books like Ephesians and we would, we would be overwhelmed by your love for us despite the fact that we were dead in our sins, that you have adopted us as sons. Lord, the fact that the spirit lives in us and can do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. But Lord, I pray that we would take the call to live like Christ seriously. Lord, that we would put away anger, that we would put away gossip, that we would put away uh, things that discourage one another, and that we would follow after you in every way. God, help us to be convicted by the fact that our lives aren't just going to naturally get better. We're not going to naturally become more like Christ, but it's it's a partnership with you. And I pray that we would take that call seriously. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed.